The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash BBC Essex. I'm Ken Crowther and coming up on the podcast this week, Dave Gillam is my special guest. As well as answering your gardening questions on all things from aces, Japanese anemones, plums and foxgloves, we'll also bring you some top tips on things you can be getting on with in the garden. Plus, Plant of the Week feature, all exclusive to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Let's start then with this week's Plant of the Week. Well, I'm going to choose you one that I think is well worth growing in your garden. Japanese anemone. Yep, Japanese anemone, sometimes called windflower, and believe it or not, sometimes called Chinese anemone. It's uh, actually anemone hupenhensis. Hupenhensis? It's actually, it's native to China but it was naturalised in Japan and was brought to England in 1784. So you can see why it's sometimes called Chinese anemone, because that's where it originated from. A great plant to grow at this time of the year. Um, It will flower from late summer, about August time, but it will go right through to frost. Uh, Flowers with pinks, whites and purples, with very prominent yellow stamens. Uh, they grow about two to three foot high. They've just got three leaflets as leaves. It's as easy as that. The other thing about them is they tolerate most soils, most positions, prefer a bit of semi-shade. They're put up with dry conditions, which is why they've grown so well this year. They're looking really good. Now, have we got a downside? Well, yes, they have. They will throw suckers and they will take over areas if you let them. Needless to say, the way you propagate them is with a root cutting, which would make sense. They're a great plant for this time of the year. In other words, late summer colour in your garden. They keep on flowering. They're tough as old boots and they'll last for years. They are, what are we going to call it? Anemone hupenhensis or Japanese anemone. Go out and buy some this weekend or next weekend and get them in your garden. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Still to come on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, Dave and I will bring you some top tips on things we can be doing in the garden this week. But let's now hear what you've called us about. And we start with Maureen in Earl's Colne. Good morning, both of you. I think uh, Dave was with you last year when I spoke about fairy <laughs> ring. I did try to dig it out before I had the garden returfed. That was last October. Everything was fine until the snow disappeared this year. Uh, it's come back with a vengeance. They do. Um, I'm Let- trying to... Uh, I'm hoping throughout the winter I can try and control it. If I can't, if I make it into a flower bed, would, would the bacteria that's there within the fairy <laughs> ring affect the how, flowers? How big's your fairy ring? Where, where's it got to? Oh, um, well, does it spread outside the fairy ring? It'll, yes, it, what it'll do is it just keeps going. It will go out, 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 out and into next door. Is it? Will it go out in a circle? Or, because it yes, seems, yeah. you know, like oh. dropping a stone in water and the ripple goes out. And it will just right, keep okay. going out well, like a, one foot at a time. Right, OK. It's virtually half my lawn. Well, it must be 12 mm. foot wide, 12 foot at least. And how big is your lawn? How far to the edge of the lawn? Uh, it's not quite made the edge. It's uh, about three or four foot off the edge. What would you do, Dave? I'd leave it alone. <laughs> yeah, it's probably <laughs> nearly made it out now, hasn't it? Um, <laughs> it's nearly right, there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, I did buy a product um, called Absorb, which mm. is a re-wetting agent it's meant to hold the moisture. Um, I haven't really um, persevered with it yet. I've just been um, raking the lawn, uh, trying to scarify it. I found a couple of 
what look like leather jacks, but I think they're caterpillars. I've actually raked out of it. There might, yeah, there might be the leather jackets in there as well. Um, oh, yeah, right. I, I, yeah, I will just let it go. I think once it's gone, it's gone. So right, um, it, it'd be some right. flower bed, wouldn't it? If you expanded the flower bed into it, or were yeah. you asking if it gets into the flower bed, is it a problem? What? what? Um, well, if I can't stand the look of this horrible grass, <laughs> can I make a flower bed out of it? Would would the it wouldn't the, affect the plants? It won't affect it plants. No. Okay, okay, that's fine. So that that that's got me thinking for right. next year. You've got uh, another next, question, haven't you? I think. Quick, quick question. I've got a stunning acer that is in always been in a ceramic pot. Yep. I've had it 20 years. It's only in its second pot, which is 16 inches high, 16 inches square. The plant is four foot high and five foot wide. It's been absolutely it's... glorious this year. It's still in full leaf as well. Mm. Uh, what size pot should I put it into? Is it the bigger the pot, the bigger the plant? Does it sort of... Well, the bigger the pot, the, pot, the less maintenance you've got of trying to keep it fed, watered right. and going, and obviously less okay. chance of it blowing over. But um, Okay. It could um, do with a bigger pot, couldn't you it, go really? up to 24, when would, probably. When would you do that? I mean, I'd be inclined to do it in the spring rather than now. You're not going to gain much now, are no, you? No, nothing no. at all. Okay, in the spring. Um, and if I wanted to put it into the ground... That's fine, yeah. Spring, spring again. as well? Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Okay, bye. That's Maureen from Earl's Colne, and we do Talking Plums with Richard. Richard, what plums have you got? Uh, Victoria Plum. It's about mm -hmm. 30 years old. It's been a good cropper, but in recent years, half the plums have rotted on the tree just just prior to being picked. Is that brown rot, isn't it? Do they go? Ah, oh, right. What do they do? You said they go. They rot. Do they go brown colour with like pustules on it? That's right. Yes. It's brown rot. Uh, nothing, is it? No. Nothing on the shelves. There's a no. man from a garden centre, and there there's, is there's a always sadly wonderful nothing. things out there, but there's often not a wonderful thing out there to combat it. Right. It's um, cleanliness is the only thing that you yeah. can hope to clean it up with. You must always pick all your plums as soon as you get any signs of that. Um, don't put them on the compost heap. Any leaf that comes from that tree, clean up. Mm. And again, send it. Wash or what yes, but send all that to the council. Don't keep any in the garden. A winter wash will help, won't it, Dave? You should try to clean it. So what know, is that now? To well, it's still called winter wash. It's it just is not quite the same stuff it used to be, but it still has uh, benefits to it. Yeah, and it will kill some of the spores and some of the insects that are hanging around. All right, then does that help you, Richard? Uh, yes, thank you. Yes, I'm. I, I, I'm sorry we're busy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry we haven't got any really great news, to, uh, an instant clean-up for you, but that's the only way, I'm afraid, on brown rot. OK? Well, fair enough, thank you. <laughs> thank you. That's Richard from Thundersley, and we go to Mike in Lee. Hello, Mike. Morning, Ken Dave. Yeah. Uh, just briefly, uh, other than my question, the lady on her lawn, I've got a 15 by 15, what I call, grass patch on the front, Yep. and about five years ago I got the fairy ring. Mm -hmm. It has now gone out... And I no longer have a fairy ring because it's got to the round the edges of the garden where I've got the slabs. Yeah, yeah. I've got uh, you know surrounding uh, borders. So you're lucky it didn't bounce back in then. Just, which is what you said, effectively. <laughs> yeah, it will burn um, itself out. Yeah. Um, now the, re the, the why I phoned was I had a, a, a fuchsia, a ballerina, mm. which I'd had for about 25 years or more in, in a pot. Uh, last year I noticed it was uh, getting a little bit old and so forth. Um, so I took a couple of cuttings off of it, and I planted them. And hey, presto, I've got two ballerina plants, both very healthy. Uh, the only thing is that one of them is uh, lovely and beautifully in flower with its red and white, and the other one has got all its buds on. Not one of them has opened, <laughs> and it's been like that probably for about two months now. Mm. Any suggestions? <laughs> No, no. <laughs> I just. I mean, I'm standing here looking. I'm not conning you. I'm uh, standing no, here looking at you. I and think they're both in the same place, effectively yeah. in the same location. So you can't no... really tell, can you? Plants do this to us occasionally, yeah. and there's nothing really that you can pinpoint on. And you'll it. probably find next year it will grow away, flower, and be completely yeah. normal. Right. There isn't... I mean, it, 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 would it? Uh, should I just leave the buds on there till they go, or would it uh, perhaps be? Uh, 
uh, sensible to debud it, so to speak, so it can put the energy back into the plant. I'd, I'd be tempted just to give it a little tidy up. You know, yeah, I'd it back. pick them off. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, then I'll try that, sir. But you'll probably find next year it'll be fine. And can you let yeah, Mike? Okay, then. Thank Mike, you very much. And Mike, let us know next year, won't you? As long as <laughs> yeah, gardening's yeah, still yeah. here, yeah. you let us know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Thank <laughs> you. That's Mike from Lee. And we go to Susan over in Acton. Hello, Susan. Hello. Um, I've got some questions about the penstemons. When should I be cutting them down? <laughs> well, Interesting one, isn't it? Yeah. Are they still in flower as well? Yes, they are. I, I'm, I like penstemons, but the, the problem with them is that they keep on flowering, don't they? Yeah, don't stop. <laughs> so you never know quite what to do with them. Um, I would just keep deadheading. I wouldn't cut them hard down until the spring. So you're just trying to tidy them and stop any winter damage. So if we do get some snow on there and that little plant doesn't get flattened. Yeah. Um, but keep enjoying them, keep tidying them up. And then I would prune them more as we get towards March. Um, give it a good hard prune. And then you won't encourage too much soft growth because they can get knocked back in a, in a hard winter if you've got soft growth on them. Right. So March and springtime. And the other question is, I've got new hollyhocks shooting up as well as new foxgloves yeah. shooting should I leave them over yeah. the winter or should yep. I cut them down? They'll be fine, they'll be fine. And now, now they're germinated, they, you know, as a young plant, they're quite hardy and tough. They, they'll get through and they'll be your ones flowering next year. Lovely. Thank you very much. Give, give us a call now on 0800 111 That's 0800 111 That's the number to call. Let's talk to George in Dagnum. Hello, George. Uh, good morning, Ken and Dave. Um, the question is about pyrocantha. Yeah, uh, we uh, have had it over twenty year over twenty years, um, no problem. But um, where I've got crazy paving, the roots are now pushing up the crazy paving at the edge. Mm-hmm. Can I cut the roots to stop the growth? And if so, <laughs> when is this? When is the best time to do this? It's debate. <laughs> <laughs> it depends how much of that root is supplying the plant. Yeah. Um, yeah. That you're going to take a you're going to take a chance, aren't you, yeah. Dave? Yeah. Um, if you're going to do it to increase your chances of a result, then you want to do it when the plant is at its most dormant. So really, another November month or two, onwards, yeah. yeah, before you do that, and hopefully so it's you, not the main one. Yeah, just when the plant isn't growing, because then it's it's got a chance to regrow new root over that winter period to replace right. the bit that you've you've chopped off. And while I'm on, when is the best time for pruning it in general? <laughs> very debatable. <laughs> it's very debatable. You see, it's funny. If you ask a couple of gardeners, and in fact, you can both have completely different views. Yeah. I don't know. When would you recommend? Well, I, I don't care, really. I just do it when it needs to. But normally when it flowers, and then you get that new growth after flowering, I'm quite happily prune back to the flower to keep it tidy and then you don't lose a berry for the for that autumn so i tend to do that and also and also you can then do it if it's because this year particularly they put a spurt on you can do it now because you'll see the new growth is beyond the berry and if you shorten that back you'll still get new growth for flower next year you've got some flower growth there but you're just reducing it yeah Okay, thanks very much. Thanks for your programme. Very interesting. Good. Thank you very much indeed for the compliment as well. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Back to your gardening questions in a moment, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. Okay then, Dave, what you got for us? <laughs> it's been a wonderful bit of wind about. Um, now's the time if you've got your summer flowering perennials, so not the ones that are flowering now, things like anemones and uh, plants like that, but the stuff that has been and flowered is a good time to start lifting them up now, dividing them, getting them back in the ground. Hopefully they can make a bit of root before the uh, winter comes on and you can get a few more plants out of them. Give them good water? Yeah, I would water, feed. It's a good... When you plant a perennial, it's normally in there for two or three years, so it's a good time to reinvigorate the soil with a bit of compost, a bit of feed, and replant. And obviously, if you've got things like foxgloves, aquilegias, that have all flowered, there's probably going to be seed heads on there. So if you want to really have a, 
have a go and fill your garden up, then take Leave the seeds. Oh, Leave them them I tend to take them off. Yep. Because um, when they self-seed, you and you go out there weeding in the spring. You don't know where they are. <laughs> you don't know where That's they right. are, and you quite easily hoe them off. So I'd rather sow those in a seed tree and then plant them as a young plant in the spring. Thank you, Dave, and we'll have more top tips for the next seven days later on in the podcast. Ken Krauser. This is BBC Essex. Dave Gillam and Ken Crowther talking gardening with you. Hello, Maureen. Hi, good morning. Um, early in the summer, I was in the Cotswolds and bought these four beautiful croissants, the old-fashioned kind, the sort I remember when I was a kid, mm-hmm. not the silly little ones. <laughs> they have been beautiful. They're in pots. I've looked after them, and they look really, really healthy. There's not a bud, not a flower, nothing on any of them, and there's four. <laughs> it would... I would need to know what ones they were. So you're talking about the, the bigger blooming chrysanthemums of, right. of old. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're very slow to develop. So you, and there are different types. So you've got late she might flowering chrysanthemums. Impatient, I think yeah, you are. That could be flowering <laughs> in the greenhouse. You'd have to take those into a greenhouse to flower them. Um, are you, have you removed the growing tip at all from them? No, I haven't. I mean, so, they're all about two or three foot high and they look really lovely. Yeah. And I didn't know you had to remove the growing tip. You don't, but if you do, you do it early. That, that was the key, that you didn't do it too late because they, they, they're much like a dahlia, really. It's just they take mm. a lot longer to develop from when you cut the top out to flower. But there are a lot of varieties that are naturally sort of November, October, November flowering. But you would want to almost be seeing buds on those you now. You should start to see something at the yeah. top. Is there any yes, I mean, sign of a flower bud? Oh, they're a late flower, but yeah. I'm sure they should be budding by now. <laughs> you should have buds, yes. Yeah, so you, yeah. you could end up having some very late flowers, but they would need to go into a greenhouse to finish. Is there? Have right. you got a conservatory or anywhere you could No, pop? I haven't. So does that mean that every year I have to put them somewhere well, sheltered you, then? Well, you won't know until you know when it flowers. Yeah. It depends on which variety you have ended up with, you see. I see. So the chrysanthemums normally make what we call a stall rather than a tuber. So you've got a chance that maybe if, if it doesn't flower this year and you get shoots from the root next and they're early enough that you'll have a longer growing time to get them into flower. Right. Thank you very much. Okay. Right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Keep us in touch. If it comes into flower in the next month, you can tell us we were all a little bit wrong and you've got it into flower. Anne from Braintree. Hello, Anne. Talking about a rose. Is that right? No, a gelder rose. Oh, gelder rose, yeah. I, I forgot, is it some sort of viburnum? Viburnum, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yes, I bought one. I love the uh, red glistening berries when the leaves come off and all of this uh, in the hedgerows. So um, I bought one about three years ago. Um, it flowered, nice white lacy sort of flowers, and then something attacks it. Each year, something has attacked it, and the leaves are, well... They're like lace. <laughs> and uh, there's not a berry left on it because they've all shriveled up as well. So I've never, I can't see that's, anything. That's two different things. The yeah. berry shriveling up is, is drought, yeah. generally, oh, but, yeah. but the, the, the leaves is not drought, is no. it? No, I mean, there's a few things. You've got viburnum beetle um, that seems to be a bit more prevalent now that particularly likes them. Um, or just a good dose of caterpillars. Oh, I think it sounds, like, sounds more like caterpillars, doesn't it, actually? Yeah. I, so, I haven't ever seen, you know, even looking so closely, I haven't seen anything munching them at all. You don't always, and that's the problem. Some <laughs> of the, uh, <laughs> I mean, you get moth caterpillars and they're tiny little things. You, yeah. don't, you don't always yeah. see Quite them, Quite often do. they're out there at night having a munch. So yeah. you go out there in the next day and it's done. All right. Yeah, and so they've what, got fat what, bellies and gone. <laughs> What, what you need to do for next year is watch very early on right. and then treat accordingly. That's all you can do. Right. You'd need a systemic insecticide. So when you see the first bit of lacy leaf, then give it right. a spray with something that will get into the plant system. And then when they come back for their second course, hopefully you can uh, prevent them at that time. Okay. A systemic what? Insecticide. Insecticide. A systemic insecticide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Just ask for a spray for caterpillar. Yeah. You'll okay. be laughing. You'll be all right. All right? Okay. Thank you very much. 
That's a pleasure. That's Anne from Braintree. Just a reminder of that number. The call is 0800 4041. Text me here in the studio. Come straight to the studio. 81333. Start the message with the word Essex. Rhubarb to you, Marie, in Toshant Darcy. Is that right? Yeah, I've got a rhubarb plant in my garden, and one, and one of the leaves on it is nearly four foot across. <laughs> That's big. Yeah. And what is it? I'm just Does wondering it not... what to do with it, whether to let it die back and put put it back, or, or it, still sort. Is it an established plant? I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. Been there for about thirty years. Right, so it's uh, got used to the area. Still as old as me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's ginormous. It's taken over. It's in a corner of a flower, a border, and it's literally taken over everything. And it, everything up. It, is, it isn't a rheum, is it? It is a rhubarb. It is an eating rhubarb. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been eating it for the last 30 years, yeah. So it isn't rheum then, because you wouldn't be around anymore. Um, no, no, <laughs> no. No, I, really, you want to leave them to die back, because it goes back into the into the root of the plant. But Yeah, um, I was wondering whether, in fact, it was sort of taking all the energy out of the plant, you know. It's there, as long as you don't... See, if you cut it off, it can't go back back in again. Right. So, so I, um, it might not be bad after 30 years to think about digging it up and splitting, splitting it. it. Well, it, it, it has, it did, half of it did die off. Yeah. And it did leave a small part of it, which I did re, re, um, replant. Yeah. Oh, good, good. That's so important. It is, it is the, new, the, new, the new part of it. Yeah, so, which is probably uh, why it's so big and vigorous, because it's had a, had a bit of rebirth. Right. So but they will self-congest. Leave well alone. Enjoy it. Well alone. Oh, that's brilliant, because I was a bit worried because I thought well, if it still keeps growing, you know, there's going to be no rhubarb well, there next year. If the sun does come back out again, at least you've got some shade. <laughs> OK, then. Thanks All very much. Take your glass of wine under the rhubarb tree, <laughs> yeah. you see. Rhubarb gene. Yeah. Um, there are, don't forget, uh, we've, we've talked rhubarb, we're now going to talk about lawns, but the number to call is 0800 111 We'll take your calls now and give you a call back. That's 0800 111 We now talk to Mark in South End. Hello, Mark. Hello there. Nice show, as usual. Thank you. Um, I'd just like a question. I've been gardening for years, but I've never got it right with me grass. Right. I've, I've bought a, a good quality rapid seed, and I want to overseed me lawn. I was going to just scarify it, and throw the seed down bare, or should I mix the seed with something? Hmm. You could go. I'd probably go with a mix, but um, so scarify it so you can get the seed can get chance to get to the soil and open it up. Yeah. Um, but I probably would just mix it with a bit of turf dressing, and then over because yeah. you've got more chance of knowing where it is and covering it, and then yeah. give it a real good watering. Um, but yeah. you could probably go straight on top and give it a drink. I mean, and I, do it, we've got, I mean, when we sow areas, you know, like, like do landscape areas, mm. you just throw it on the top and you don't always rake it in because it sometimes germinates just as well. The yeah. birds nick a bit. But, yeah, but in, yeah, but, that's what I was going to do, you know. Yeah. The alternative is that you put your dressing on in the areas that are bald, yeah, and yeah. rub it in with yeah. the back of a rake and then overseed those areas. Yeah. That would work, wouldn't it, as yeah. well? So it's really, it's a, it's, you can do anything, mm. quite honestly. Yeah. Either will work, but just make sure you yeah. water it. And it's watering that's going to be important. Yeah, because I've got, I've got the choice. And I, I mean, if I do either way now, yep. if it don't work, I'll do the opposite way in the spring. What do you reckon? <laughs> I reckon it's you've got a good go, one there. <laughs> and Mark, come back to us in a couple of weeks' time and you can tell us whether it worked. I will. I will. Thank you very much. Right. Thank you, Mark. I'm going to go straight to a text there as well because uh, John Baker has said, can I seed my lawn in the areas where the hot weather seems to have killed it? Can I do this now or shall I wait until spring? Well, John, you've just heard us talking about yeah. what to do with a lawn. Scarify all that dead thatch out. Um, it surprised me as a gardener mm. that's been gardening for God knows how many years that 
how much grass has actually died because we always expect grass to come back. Yeah, it always yeah. does. You it know, does, we were it? saying all <laughs> summer, don't worry, it will come back. Don't worry, it will come yeah. back. Well, it hasn't. It got some cooked. Of it, <laughs> some of it has been cooked too much, hasn't yeah. it? And it's mainly the finer grasses that have gone, isn't it? Yeah, and that that can be a bit of a problem if you want to keep a good lawn because you'll only have the coarse grass there. That has so come back. Hasn't whether it? it's worth when you're seeding using a, a fine seed mix opposed to a normal mix because you're trying to get that balance mm. back again um but yeah it, it didn't come out well the other end um it's really unbelievable isn't yeah. it really um and when you're buying seed because you're a man who sells seed up at yeah. the garden center um is it easy to understand do you, does it say fine grass coarse yes. grass how how are they described well, you, generally got, um the fast acting which generally is just a slightly coated seed that will germinate quite right. a bit quicker yeah your multi-purpose will have some uh, of the, the the thicker grasses in there and then you've got shade and fine fine lawn on its own is hard work unless you're gonna go bowling yeah um but and the shade is slightly coarser grasses so really a general purpose grass it's will have enough mix to do it but if you've only got coarse grass left you might want to use the fine okay hope that helped you john as well the answer is yes do it now if it doesn't take enough now have another go in the spring um 0800 just actually back on that one on a comment on that as well a very quick comment on that it's worth getting rid of um weed because there's a lot mm. of weed coming to these dead lawns use a selective lawn weed killer first before you scarify yeah. before you seed because you can't use a selective weed killer once the seed has germinated yeah, and uh, there's a bit of extra travel news. Lynn from Hadley says the Essex Way going into Benfleet Road traffic is a standstill. Total standstill there. Uh, that's due to road work. So watch out for that. That's uh, in the Essex Way going into Benfleet Road. Look out for that. Let's go now to the next caller, which is Alan from Hatfield. Hello, Alan. Hello. I'd just like to tell you about an antivirum I've got grown. Uh-huh. It's come up between the paving slabs on my patio. <laughs> they do, don't they? They come everywhere, yeah. And less, it's less than an eighth of an inch wide. It's very thin. Now, mm -hmm. And it's grown up. It's got, it must be 18 inches tall, 15 across, and full of bloom. That's fantastic. <laughs> and I couldn't, if I wanted to grow it myself in good stuff, I couldn't have got a better plant. <laughs> no, and that's, you often find that, don't yeah. you, that plants grow where you don't expect them and they're better than the ones. I know we look after a garden and there's, um, there's a, French, a French lavender. Now, French lavenders don't last for years, but this one is growing out of the paving at the end <laughs> of a bed. And I tell you what, that's survived through years and years of, of torment of weather and it's still there. Yeah. It's gone through this summer. Yeah. quite happily <laughs> that's just plants they find a home yeah. and they're, they're happy and the way they go but try repeating it <laughs> and it doesn't happen All well, right, I can't Alan. believe how this plant's grown so well and the, the crack is growing now it's less than an eighth of an inch wide <laughs> <laughs> oh well what are you can do with it just leave it there or cut it back leave and it see what happens will yeah. it come back next year maybe yeah it, you... it might and you might get some seed off of it that have gone into the cracks that are around that they might pop up again that's probably how it got there in the first place so yeah, leave well, I mean, I'm not going to put it there. I just yeah. couldn't believe what a nice plant it is. <laughs> leave well alone, yeah? OK, thanks, Ken. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Right, now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, myself and Dave have got some more top tips. Now, my one's got to be... Well, picking apples and pears if they haven't already <laughs> fallen off with the wind. But it's um, it's too easy to leave them on too long and then they'll drop. And you waste so much fruit. Yeah. So, in fact, we're coming into the end of the season now. Um, you know, things like William pears and uh, commis pear will still be on that tree if they're still on the tree through the wind. And they need picking. And, of course, a lot of those, particularly things like commis, as a good example, that you can wrap it in old newspaper or something yeah. like that, keep them in boxes, don't let them touch, keep them separated and keep them in an airy, um, airy sort of coolish conditions. Same with uh, a lot of the Egremont russets, the Cox apples. There's a lot of late-producing apples that need to be picked 
now and kept and you can keep them right into the winter you really can as long as you wrap them separately separate them so they don't touch that's to stop any rot spreading from one apple to the other apple or one pear to the next pear that's really important so come on go out there and have a look at your fruit trees and hopefully if those uh pears have softened a little bit sometimes they come off the tree a little bit hard don't they they do (laughs) they need need resting so while we're on fruit trees really it is last chance saloon for for pruning anything that is a stone fruit so your plums and so on get it done but don't do it much beyond now because you're going to look to encourage silver leaf and problems later on but if you haven't done it get it done um, or leave it alone until next year that's right it's really quite important because diseases there's a lot of disease around these days isn't there there is and i think the way the weather's been people haven't had chance or been excited to get out there in the garden some of those jobs that would have been done when it was hot have been left but now or never on that now one. or never <laughs> now or never well keep listening to the podcast as there's still more hits and tips to come the bbc essex gardening hour with ken crowther this is bbc essex julie in horsham right down in west sussex aren't you yes i am i listen to your show good (laughs) now then i've got quite a puzzle i've got japanese anemones which are beautiful this time of the year but I've only got leaves this year, wonderful, healthy crop of leaves, magnificent, but very few flowers. Where am I going wrong? They've only just started to, to flower. Or no, 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 mine's in. been out since I, I... Normally, they come out with uh, about uh, or, uh, late July, August. Oh, right. It's a, it's, remember, it's My a late... Has- it's a late season. Remember, they'll have been struggled with the heat through August... Yes. ...into early September... Mm. So yeah. they'll, that will have changed the pattern, won't it? Yeah, it may well push them back. I mean, we're only seeing them on the nursery-grown ones um, just starting to flower them. now. Um, and they've been grown on the nursery. So the ones in the ground probably would have got a bit of a, a rough time through that heat and it may well push the flowers back. You get the odd one, but the main flower mm. flush will probably be later. Mm. Well, you see, on the other hand, my daughter who lives in Surrey all these different counties. Her, she has a, a sun, she has a, a south-facing garden and her garden is just a mass of these happy faces mm. everywhere. Yeah. It varies, but generally stuff is later, you know, in that mm. sense. Uh, yeah, so there's nothing I can do to promote flowers rather than... No, no the, bud, the buds will either have formed or not. So nothing you can do now to help them. Right, OK. All right. Okay then. Sorry, Julie, we haven't got an instant answer on that one. All the way from Horsham in West Sussex. Uh, Give us a call now. 0800 4041. Had another note from Ken Wickham who said I hadn't answered this. Well, I am sure I did answer your email, but I'll run through it again for you. And it says I have three questions for you seeking advice. And it says the hibiscus, after flowering, had a very good season this year. And hibiscus have been fantastic. (laughs) They have loved it. Uh, Do we cut back short for the winter? Mm, No. No, I'd tend to tidy in the spring. Yeah. I hardly touch touch a hibiscus, do you? No, you don't want to start encouraging it to grow and... At least you'll know where the winter's not bits back no. and tidy it up. And just tidy it up in the wind in the spring. Don't. But again, don't, they don't need hard pruning. No. In the book, it says prune, but yeah. I've I've never ever pruned just them tidy at all. Where, where you need to yeah. it seems to get by. Uh, just a reminder: oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one is the phone number, and we're answering Ken Wickham's email. The plum bush tree that had worms in the plums this year and the leaves have a spot rusting on the back. What spray, if any, should I apply? Right, well, let's do the, do the worms in the plums. Yes, so that's um, the trap. A, a pheromone trap, which you put down, put normally May, down, it? hang when? Well, yeah, I'd go end of April, but they're normally early mid-May is when they're about and breeding. So you want to get it there before they do. And hang that there. That should attract the males. Uh, yes. Is that right? Track it's them. a female pheromone trap, so it attracts the Tracks males. the males, and they get stuck on this horrible sticky stuff, and it's like it's like a contraceptive for moths, so yes. that works quite well. Um, that's not all you can do. There's no spray for that, is not there? Really, no. Now, rust, it sounds like rusting. It looks like rusting on the back of a leaf. 
you can try treating it, but but normally, you wouldn't bother this time of year, definitely, no, would you? No, and it, generally plenty of water and look up, you know, feed early on, add a bit of vigour into the tree, and then that will sort of slow the rust down. So they are a cleanliness. See all those leaves, and last but not least, in your questions, the agapanthus. We usually cut back the flowers when they end, but as you can see, the pot it literally is so pot bound. Um, how do you break them up? Well, in fact, they do need potting on. Looking at the pot. Mm. Um, the pot, all you can do is ease. I mean, you will break some of the root, yeah. won't you? Yeah. But two, you just ease it apart. Two forks and push. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's all you can do with yeah. them, isn't it? And then don't pot them into a too large a pot again because no. they like being pot bound. They are. Hopefully, that answered all your questions, Ken. And I thought I went through those before, and apologies if I didn't. Uh, let's go back to the phones 0800 111 4041. And we're talking to Brian from Colchester. Hello, Brian. Oh, good morning, gentlemen. You're all right. Yep. Yes. Um, now then, um, like so many other people, I've I've got one lawn that's completely come back after the um, hot summer, and I've got um, the front lawn which is um, struggling at the moment, to say the least. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's gone green all around the edges, and you know I've got patches of green coming through. But is it ever going to come back? And what do I do? Do I just simply water it, which is going to happen tomorrow by the weather forecast uh, outlook? Or do I put weed and feed? Or do I put blood, fish and bone? I don't know. How do I get my lawn to come back as good as it was? <laughs> you wait. You, you keep working on it and wait a year and hope it rains. Um, <laughs> there, there is a, a good thing out there, rather than just overseeding, if it is patchy and it's thin, um, then you, you can get a, a lawn thickener, which is a, a feed and a seed opposed to a feed and a weed. Um, oh. Unless you've got a weed problem, I wouldn't worry about trying to use the, you know, the complete feeds and things there. You want to get the grass growing. So, so yeah. the lawn thickener is a good product because it will feed what you have got and overseed where there isn't grass. And that's not a bad place to start, really. So just rake that in, or yeah, it's, it's just like you'd soil. apply it. Well, no, you just apply it like you would the fertilizer. So you you rake out all the dead, and then just overseed feed it. You just scatter it over, and you're scattering food and seed, and then give it a good drink. Okay, lovely. Thank you very much indeed. Okay, give it a try. That number to call is oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one. An email from Andrew in Clacton. He said, and I thought this is a good one to ask you because I I don't because I don't work in retail as much. I can't. I do. We slightly lose track with what's on and off. <laughs> I do. And can I still you do. <laughs> can you tell me please why we have lots of mushrooms growing in certain parts of our soil the last two months? Well, the weather conditions are yeah. spot on, aren't they? Yeah. Damp in the morning, but a little bit of dew, warmth in the soil and it's they're growing on debris that's underneath aren't yeah, they really yeah, it's just rotting material that's, that's what there. they do the moment you dig them up they're back again well they will be because yeah. they're, they're the spores are there aren't they you're not going to stop mice you'll be spraying on the mushrooms or after pulling them up or stop them is there anything we can use or does the soil need changing well the, firstly the soil doesn't need changing because the soil is doing what it's supposed to do it's yeah. a natural thing, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, that's what mushrooms do. They break down the waste and turn it into decent stuff. So There's not a lot you can do, really. There's just no sprays, gotta, are there? No, you can pick them off if you really want to, but there isn't sprays. And they normally, once the material that they're working on has been used, then they disappear themselves. So don't worry about it. I'm sorry, Andrew. No easy answer. Go out there each morning, pick them off, <laughs> I'm afraid, and throw them away. But they're, they're nature's, they're magic. They're actually, as Dave said, they're producing good things in yeah. this soil. Val from Southend. Now, we don't like talking, mentioning this word at this time of the year because we're only, we're in September. So come on, you tell me what you're asking about. Well, I moved into the bungalow three years ago and the people before uh, were in there 45 years. Anyway, to cut a long story short, they planted a Christmas tree for their children. It yes. is now um, about 20 foot high <laughs> and about 10 foot across. It's really beautiful, but it's, it's taking all the light and everything out of my garden. I don't really want to have it cut down. Can it be trim trimmed from the bottom? <laughs> I this never is what like. I really want to know if I can take... I mean, this, five, this would be you know, your normal sort of traditional Christmas tree if it's that sort it's of It's going to look funny, isn't it? It could look a bit strange. It's better, I would say, you're better to lift the, the trunk so you cut from the bottom up 
and maintain the shape at the top rather than yeah, trying yeah. to cut from the top down because they look terrible yeah, yeah. when you do that. Um, yeah, no, this is what I was thinking. Um, because you sit in the garden and I say it's 120 foot long and you can't see anything up the top because it's, yeah. you know, taking all the view out. And, and naturally in a woodland situation, if they're mass planted, then the lower branches would normally go. So they would have this oh, clear right. trunk. It's like our view of a Christmas tree is, is leaves, you know, needles from the bottom up, isn't it? Um, yeah, so yeah. it's probably your best bet is to, to remove some of the lower branches so you can you know see up your garden, um, oh, but, right, but don't don't mess around with the top part because that's when it will no, start making funny I, I shapes. Just, I just didn't want to kill it off, you know. Uh, it won't anyway, kill thanks. it. No, thanks very much for your help. All right. That's all right. That's what we're here for. Oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one. Don't forget if you've missed any part of the program, there is a podcast of this program which will be up and available mid-afternoon at the latest. Owen is very efficient at sorting it out. Let's now go to... Uh, where are we going to? We're going to Mary in Hoddesdon. Hello, Mary. Hi. Hi. Um, I've got... I don't know what it is. It's a very tall... Well, it's 10 to 15 years old. It's about 10 foot tall. A lollipop bay tree. Yeah. And from the leaves right the way from the stem of the plant... Almost to the end, apart from the end leaves, have turned yellow with soft brown, little brown spots on. And I pick them off because they fall off in the end. I think it probably needs repotting. It's been in the pot. I have put dug fresh soil over and put just the, the top inch or so. But I think it really needs potting. When is it best? What's the best time to cut it back? The, and do I cut all of the ball of the lollipop back or do I just do a quarter, half or whatever and what soil do I use and when should I do it? Yeah, that's a nice list of questions. It is. You've got, you got your pen ready for uh, quick fire <laughs> answers. <laughs> yes, I mean, if it's been in the pot for a long time, time it probably is time to repot it. It sounds like it's it's running out of puff and probably water and food. We'd use a John Innings number three for potting that up, which is a soil-based uh -huh. compost. Yep. You can use a bloodfish and bone or any other slower release fertilizer in there just to really help. Yep. And prune it overall, um, and I would say try to look to about a third uh, to a start third. with, just to try and encourage new growth to come. Yes, right. Okay, and when should I do that? Well, if it don't look very pretty and there's only bits at the tips, might as well do, do it, it now. now. <laughs> I will do. But a third, I'll cut back about a third of the actual ball itself. Yeah, um, just to I try to... I bloodfish and bone. Is there anything else I could put apart from that, like a, a tonic of any kind? Well, that and water is, is really all it needs. Mm. I mean, you, and you it's not worth it. giving it extra food at this time of year because no. it's wasted. And you've got fresh oh, compost which will have food in it. So Yes, right. Um, and it was number three, John Innes. Yeah. Yep. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Okay. Good program. Good program. Thank you very much indeed. That's Mary from Hodderson and David. I was going to say with these people that will keep telling us it's a nice brand, I want to write to the boss. Give us more. Uh, David from Battlesbridge. <laughs> Hi, David. Yes, me again. Uh, daughter's got a blueberry which we bought in the spring and it's in a, a large pot. Just wondering how to prune the new laterals back. No okay, problem. so happen, you, the answer really is you don't oh. have to. You <laughs> don't have to. Has it grown very long, long ones? Yeah. yeah? yeah. Well, basically, they're long. You, the answer is you don't have to. No, but you can just tip just, out those. I call them water shoots, but they, you know they tend to just get some strong growth. Just and you cut, could reduce those. cut it to shape rather than cut it back. Yeah. Okay. That's what I want to do, keep the shape. That's it. Just tidy it up. Tidy it up. Okay. Just tidy it up. Yep. All right. That's David from Battlebridge. Don't forget they like acid feeds as well, and they're better. It's grown in a pot, you see. It's better grown in a pot. Um, right. Ray was talking, this is an interesting one. Ray was talking about how nice the wild blackberries were. Um, my question is, why do we have to use this and that to protect our fruit bushes and trees, but wild left-alone crops seem to survive without help, including apple trees? Have wild plants created their own immune systems over <laughs> millions of years? I have left my wild blackberries alone at the bottom of the garden. 
They're fantastic. And what a year for them. They are good this year. Yeah, aren't they? some have been small, but the others they're, have really enjoyed tasty. it. Plenty of them. Oh, yeah. tasty. I know I've got a garden that's overgrown at the base, just like that that I look after. And in fact, the blackberries are phenomenal. <laughs> they are gorgeous to eat. It is an interesting thing that, yeah. when, you know, some of the plants that were developing, I mean, we're building in things that are sometimes um, help. They're but good to us. They're but good to not us, to the plant. but they're not always to the plant no. because the plant needs a bit of extra help. We've well, developed quite often the, the new blackberries and things like that are thornless, aren't they? Yeah. And the whole point of thorns on plants is to protect mm. them from the wildlife. So we've taken some of the things away, but we're actually putting some things back. If yeah. that makes sense, yeah. yeah. And and on mass, there's so many of them, isn't there? That yeah. They they tend to get by. Kane Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Back to your calls, texts and emails shortly, but let's take a final look at the top tips Dave has for us this week. Well, it's still time, if we can get the summer bedding out, um, now to plant bulbs. It's a good time for daffs, and we'll be getting into the ideal time for planting the tulips. Also, if you want to have things like crocus in your lawns and that, get the bulbs where you can, get them in there because obviously these are earlier flowering uh, bulbs. So get planting really on those. Have they have they uh, flown out the door or have you found that it's been later? Because, you know, you work in a garden yeah. centre, you work up at Abercorn, so, um, you know, you must see a trend. Has it been later because I of the hot summer? We're finding that people that are planting in pots are doing it now because yeah. really the pots have exhausted themselves through the summer because it was hot. But some of the bedding that was in the beds and borders where it had a bit of rain, it actually has perked up. So the bigger planting, so the planting of numbers of daffodils and blocks like that hasn't happened yet. But the bits and pieces certainly have in the pots because they were looking quite tired. It is quite interesting because it changes every year, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, sometimes it goes. And the other side, if you want uh, bulbs for Christmas, oh, so yeah. things like the paper whites and a lot of even the, the dwarf daffs will flower um, if, if encouraged to do so and hyacinths. So we need to get the prepared hyacinths, not the garden ones, the prepared ones soon. Get those in, get those potted, and get them into a nice dark room to start waking up if you want flowers early on and around that Christmas time. So all those things to look out for. Do you have to do the same with the paper whites and the narcissi, the dwarf narcissi? Best do you have to, to keep them, them dark? Best to give them dark for, for a while, just to get, the, the, as I term it, the nose out the bulb, just to get the, the green tip out once it comes out then it, it's, uh, it gets the bud out of the neck of the bulb. Thank you, Dave. Let's get straight back to your gardening questions now. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. We've had um, an email from Maureen at Leon C. She's got an unusual hydrangea. Um, what hydrangea is that then, Dave? That one? The, there was a little group of them come around a few years ago, and they're they're like a a large double flowering lace cap. So you only they're get the flowers around the outside, but and nothing much, in the middle. Nothing in the middle, and they're much bigger than the normal flowers around the outside. They look more like um, a star, the magnolia. Yes. Uh, which one? Stellata. Stellata. Yeah. That's what they look like. Yeah, they? they're just big flowers around, but it's it, that particular picture isn't showing it flowering well it's just got a couple of flowers mm. and when they have a few less they end up being a bit bigger but it, they're around they're not as as reliable as you'd like them to be but when they're nice they're nice so they're just a hydrangea it's you, just a strain of hydrangea i can't remember what the the strain was but it's not often around now <laughs> it's it's because it didn't flower it's a bit as unreliable well. in producing in flowers okay uh, if Dave finds it out, he'll let me know what it is and then we can let you know. Uh, Angie from Southend, you've given us a call, haven't you, Angie? Yes, yes. Good morning, experts. I wonder if you can help me, please. Yep. Yes. What would you like to know? Um, I have uh, red currants and black currants uh, bushes in my garden. Um, how do I maintain them now for the winter till next summer when it hopefully will fruit again? Do I cut them right down, or how do I mean, uh, you know, look after them? Well, I mean, I'd be out there looking at this year's growth and pruning back to spurs, if that makes sense. You want to take the new growth that was produced this year and reduce it and probably leave, depends how old the plant is, but 
um, two or three inch spurs, which will be the flowering and fruiting next year. Does that make sense to you, Angie? I don't know. It's the first time I'm going to do it. Right. So, yeah. right. You're okay, looking. So you're looking. the new growth. But no, you don't cut no, it no. off. So you'll you'll see, look at the stem and you'll see that the the wood of the stem will change colour and you'll see it being much lighter, which was the the growth that it produced this year, mm. and then you'll see darker, which was last year's. So you okay. want to cut the the lighter stuff down to about three inches from where it changes colour. So you've got some of this year's growth still remaining. And if you've got any old stems that are dark all the way up, you can take them out as well. Oh, uh, okay. But if it's your first year, you're unlikely to have them. It will be yeah. the newer growth You this won't year. have much dark stem. Okay. All right. Lovely. Thank you okay. very much for your okay. help. Right. That's a pleasure. Uh, Angela from Thoughtless Soken. Hello, Angela. Hello. Good morning. Um, what I want to know is, is it too late now to sow Dianthus and Sweet William seeds? You could probably get away with get, it. You might get away with yeah. it, mightn't you? Yeah. Certainly. I mean, the, the, the plants are starting to appear now, but as long as you've got a way of protecting them a little bit early on and then harden them off, you'll probably get away. And you'll get later flowers, that's yeah. all. Yes, OK. Never give, never give up, Angela. Always give it a go. No, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's a pleasure. That's Angela in Thorpless Soken. Don't forget, you can give us a call on 0800 111 We can squeeze a couple of uh, calls in. Um, a wasp's nest on my allotment, says Sitting Culture. It's in an old railway sleeper, ground level. What should he do? This time of the year, they, they actually, they become a bit of a pain, don't they? Because <laughs> the, the um, males start being a little bit more aggressive at yes. the latter end of the season. What would you do with it? Well, you, oh, is there a wasp spray now? There you is. You've got the uh, foaming wasp nest destroyer. So I've used those. They're quite good because you can stand at a distance. distance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then run. Um, no, so you can use the, the uh, nesters there. And you, it's just a foam that comes out of a nozzle, much like the old WD-40 cans. And you're just spraying it at the nest. And the, the wasp will take it in and it should get rid of the nest itself. Don't forget we can squeeze a call in before 12 here on the gardening program 0800 111 that's the number to call and uh, when is the right time to put in overwintering onions garlic and broad beans what was interesting I watched um, I must just mention how, do you, how deep do you plant your garlic would you plant garlic I just put them into the, so the nose is still stone just showing here yeah, because Monty didn't do that. He put them underground, oh. which I was quite interested to watch because I always leave the, you push them, I push them in and leave the nose sticking out, yeah. about, you know, sort of quarter of it yeah. sticking out. It was interesting that people do things in different ways, isn't it? Yeah, certain bulbs, maybe you want them yeah. lower. So anyway, garlic. Garlic will be appearing very soon. Um, well, it's been planting. Yeah. It's, yeah. The, the onions, shallots and things are out there around now, so you can get those plants. Now, shallots you put in first, don't you? Aren't they the first one that yeah, you put no, in? I'll just do it one. Do you do it all at once? <laughs> <laughs> do it, do it. But the, 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 most of the garlic comes from the Isle of Wight, and generally up, up until recent years, it was being sold at the same time as the onions and everything else. And we're finding then that the bulb hadn't, cured properly and was going soft so there was a lot of wastage and, and problems so now the, the the growers send that out much later than they do the others so those hopefully will be appearing soon um, and, and there's you several them. you can buy different garlics can you go buy white you can buy pink you buy oh, elephant there's, oh. and you've got soft neck and hard neck and the hard neck tend to store better and the soft neck tend to be bigger but whatever grows grow it <laughs> So they are. And the you, beans, you probably want to be getting those in beans now. beans as well, if, yes. If you haven't already. What's your favourite? Uh, uh, Sutton. I think everyone goes for aquadulture, but I think the Sutton is uh, a little bit nicer. Now, Tim's an allotment man. Our, uh, our man is looking after things today. <laughs> He's an aquadulce, you see. Oh, yeah. That's a good traditional one. Well, that's tradition. It's a bit like beetroot and bolt hardy, isn't that's it? That's right. So that's what I always use. Many others go. exist, and sometimes they're <laughs> worth a try. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to the phones. Don't forget that number to call is 0800 111 uh, What would you like to know, Doreen? Um, I've grown some wallflower seeds. Oh, yeah. And I've potted them up into um, pots. And they're quite large. I suppose they're about six or seven inches tall. Now, oh, when right. do I put them in the garden? 
when you like now. They sound big enough to be able to handle them and get them in the garden. So yeah, because when you're they ready. Get a little bit too big for the pots. Yeah, yeah, it'll be better to be in the ground once they've sort of got established because otherwise the pot they'll run out of puff in the pot. So yeah. whenever so you're feeling fit now. enough to get out there and do it, go okay. for it. Thanks very much. That's Thank a you. Okay, bye, bye there. Um, we got through those emails. We do. I try and mention the get through the emails, but if we don't get a chance, I will always fit them in as I can, and I'll answer them from home sometimes. And that's Ken Crowther at BBC.co.uk. My neighbour wants some of my rhubarb. <laughs> Is that to eat? No, it isn't to eat. What's the easiest way to separate a piece of root? It's easier to dig the whole thing up, isn't yeah. it, really? That's dig the trouble, it up, isn't it? Spade for it. <laughs> it's very technical, but dig it up, get the clump, and then just try to split it. So that's all you can do, isn't it? Yep, yeah, that's the way to do it. Uh, let's uh, talk to Leonard from Westcliff, who's given us a call on 0800 111 Leonard. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Um, I, was, I grew some cucumbers, and one went behind the stand that I had and I didn't know it was there until I picked my other cucumbers and I found a gigantic uh, yellow one and all the rest were green. Mm -hmm. uh, could you tell me why I had a yellow one? Age. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's when they're a lot quite often uh, I, I was up at Harrogate last weekend which is the sort of where I start the giant veg shows um, right. and quite often when you see these giant cucumbers that have been grown for a long time on the plant, they do yellow. Oh, right. Oh, that's interesting. It weighed three and a half pounds, and, um, yeah, I, I, it looked like a banana, actually. <laughs> <laughs> now, you sure, you sure it wasn't a banana? Yeah. No, no, sorry, I, it definitely wasn't a banana. But can you tell me, would that create the, the uh, uh, bitterness of the cucumber? Yeah. I mean, once, once any, any you know, it crop doesn't... gets old, it loses its flavour or gets bitter or... Or so sharp, so, it, so it, and that, uh, today even refused it to be honest. No, I mean, and it wouldn't have necessarily helped your others because you'd have this big old cucumber taking the energy, um, not knowing it for the others. But now you found it. Well, I've had fourteen off of two plants. That's um, not too bad, is it? No, no. Thank you very much indeed for your help. That's All a right. pleasure. Don't we'll forget. Have a nice day, weekend. Uh, we will have a nice weekend. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, don't forget that you can still... Yeah, we can fit a couple in. Come on. 0800 111 That's the number to call. And in fact, a lot of people have had quite a bit of trouble with tomatoes uh, this year as well, haven't they? Um, because, again, the fluctuating temperatures. Mm. And I know we have one from... From Dave was a, Dave was an interesting guy. He he texted me. No, he didn't. He emailed me a few weeks ago, and we were talking tomatoes. And he planted eight tumbler tomatoes in a plastic grow table. Do you sell those plastic grow tables? Not the plastic ones. Do you sell the wood, wood ones, dear. <laughs> anyway, he harvested one thousand four hundred tomatoes up to the end of August. Now we haven't had anybody come up with a better answer than that. Now, <laughs> come on, fourteen hundred by the end of August. I wonder whether he's going to go for. Do you reckon that's in the Guinness Book of Records? Do you I reckon? think we're easily spot Dave because it would be red and tomato shaped if he's eating that lot <laughs> <laughs> he will be but tomatoes have actually been very good outside this year but there have been a few problems with blossom end rot which yeah. people don't really understand do they where yeah. the bottom rots <clears throat> it's been great because it's been like them being in a greenhouse but um, yeah and where it's drying quick and you're watering a lot the fluctuations of temperature and amounts of water will encourage blossom end rot um, t the tumblers rarely suffer for it the ones in the baskets and they're quite, they are quite good for that. So they work quite well. Uh, Jane from Hockley says, is there anything she can put in her veg garden now? Well, we've mentioned quite a few things already, didn't yeah. we? And um, is there any, I mean, is there any seed sign other than broad beans that we well, can we've use? We've got broad beans, there's some winter peas, um, a bit late to sow leeks, but you can get the leek uh, grass plants. now, the plants, and get those in. Um, and you can do things like parsley and so on, the hardier bits to get you through, and spring cabbage. Um, so there's plenty of young plants or you can sow some seed to get going. Is it too... I mean, leeks, you said you buy the, gra the grasses. Yeah. You? Do you yeah. get... But along garden centres don't... I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know whether you do, but veg plants are quite difficult to get from garden centres these days, we aren't try, they? We try hard because it is hard <laughs> to, to get them. But we've what, got, so you can't get, get, find yeah, a grower? and the numbers, and we don't sell that many. And unfortunately, transport costs lots. So when you're trying to buy vegetables from somewhere and you can't get enough of them, 
it's hard to get it but we've got some and we have a decent range of things like spring cabbage leeks spring onions even you can always get a, a quick turnaround on those and some of the herbs but it, we only ever have one or two deliveries and that's it because you can't get any more now is i'm gonna is it are you what do you watch who buys these i mean what's what's the age group that's buying your vegetable plants these days are oh, young people trying to have a go it is because they tend to be um smaller packs so you might get a dozen leeks in a pack well the old school when they grow leeks they grow 50 of them don't mm. they because that's what they like and i think the the more younger more modern gardener don't really want to mess about sowing seeds and you get a packet of carrot seeds with two thousand seeds in it who wants 2,000 carrots mm. so they're quite happy just to get a small quantity of a nice range of plants and get something for uh, for their efforts rather than wasting time really now are there any are there any winter lettuce there's japanese lettuce can any of those yeah, be grown there's now there's hardier lettuce it's still about and and just it's worth a go and you can soon turn around a, a crop of lettuce this time of year it's you can get cold for a while so really you know you don't have to stop people think that oh you know we've taken everything off we've done the sweet corn yeah. we've done all the things we've taken our crops that's it leave few it for radish the in a trough and pop them in the greenhouse so and you get a crop of radish out between between now and winter we and still sow those up to the end of the month and in, in the ground itself you can use cloches and ways of warming them up anyway can't always you? a way there's always a way the gardening hour podcast on bbc essex with ken crowther Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go via our website, bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0800 111 4041 and be part of the programme every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther.